If you've been with us at all over the last couple months, we've been walking through um, the series that we've called Love Thy Neighbor. Um, and as we've done this, we've been looking at uh, the parable in Luke chapter 10 of the Good Samaritan and kind of walking through a little bit piece by piece, but also looking to a lot of other areas of scripture and, and really diving into this parable and see what it means for us to, to go out and be people who love our neighbors. Um, and uh, we see at the beginning of the parable, the, the great commandment um, as recited by the lawyer in the story and talking about that we need to love God and we need to love our neighbor. And that's really what God is inviting his people into doing is that um, all of what God has for us and all that what God is calling us to do can be summarized in something I mean, as simple as that, right? But as deep as that actually goes, we've been able to talk about that. So I'm excited today. We're going to be wrapping up this series. It'll be the, the last week of the Love Thy Neighbor series. Um, excited for where we'll be heading after this. Um, Jeremy will, will be back next week um, sharing that. And uh, I think we're going into the, the book of Jonah. So looking forward to that. But uh, today, again, we're going to wrap up this series in Love Thy Neighbor. Um, we're going to look at this parable one more time. Um, and to kind of catch some of you guys up, if you haven't been here, what we've been talking about, again, focusing on, on loving our neighbor and, and defining what is our neighbor and what does that look like. And we started off the series by just talking about, first and foremost, God's love for us. That if we're going to be people who want to go out and love and, and see and meet our people and our neighbors and, and really anyone in our community or wherever God sends us, um, where they're at, we need to know the love that God first has for us. Um, then we talked a little bit in this parable about the question that's brought up, uh, who is my neighbor? Um, we see in this parable a picture of, of Jesus using this example of a Samaritan to a Jewish lawyer um, and really tearing down this wall and structure of what maybe would commonly be referred to as a neighbor, but a neighbor more so being whoever God puts in front of you and whoever God gives you an opportunity to love and really tearing down walls and boundaries. Um, and again, we'll talk about that some today. Um, we've talked about loving the poor and the oppressed, uh, loving our enemies, loving foreigners, um, again, God tearing down walls about who we're supposed to love. A couple weeks ago, Jeremy uh, talked us through sacrificing our schedules. So often um, we let our schedules uh, lead and run our lives, but really what we need to do is we need to look and seek after God, seek after this great commandment to love God and love others and let that guide our schedule. Um, and that can be hard sometimes, and you know, the pressures and the responsibilities that we have. But that's ultimately what we see in this parable God calling us into. And then last week, we talked about a life of generosity. And this wasn't a call to come and, and to give to the church, but a call to, to live a generous lifestyle, like we see in this parable, where this person who met this man on the road half dead and, and gave two days' wages to him and pretty much put down his credit card and said, just put everything else on my tab. Um, he didn't really have a credit card, if you're confused about that, just to clarify before we get into, I don't want to talk about any historical inaccuracies after this, but you get the idea of that. Um, debit card works too. Um, but uh, no, we talked about a lot of different things. So we're going to go ahead and, and dive right in and kind of wrap up this. We're going to kind of summarize some of the things we've talked about and then really talk about what God is calling us to go and do as we seek to, to love our neighbors. Um, so if you want to turn to me to Luke chapter 10, we're going to read this whole parable um, one more time. Um, I'm sure it'll come up again in the future, but uh, one more time for this season. Um, the words will also be up on the screen, but if you want to follow along, Luke chapter 10, we'll start at verse 25. And it says this, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by 
on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he sent him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, take care of Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Would you guys pray with me as we walk through this today? Uh, Father God, we just, we thank you for today. God, we thank you for this opportunity to gather I and mean, to look to your word, to worship you. Uh, God, we just thank you for the, the beautiful day that we can see reflected on your creation today, uh, this morning with the sun shining. Um, and we're just thankful for that, God. God, I pray as we reflect back on, on things that we've talked about over the last few months and as we move forward as a church body and as individuals that you would work in our hearts to, to show us more of your love for us, first and foremost, God. And that as we see and experience your love that you have for us and the love that, that culminated in, in, in the work of Christ, that we would be a people that love our neighbors, God. God, some of the things we've talked about and the situations that we've walked through over the last few weeks, um, thinking about um, specifically people, types of people we can love and ways that we can love, God. God, I pray that you would help us to just see our neighbors, God, um, and help us to know who our neighbors are, God. Help us to hear our neighbors, God, and help us to love them. God, there are people all around us um, who may be a physical neighbor or maybe people that we encounter in our day-to-day or maybe will people we would just see in a one-off, which is kind of the situation here with the Good Samaritan, God, um, that are desperately in need of your love. Um, help us to love like you so that, that not that we may offer them anything, God, but that ultimately they might know and see the love of you that's working through us, God. God, move me out of the way today. Just we want to hear from you. We want to hear from your words and from your heart and from your scriptures, God. So let you be the one who speaks today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So what I want to take us today, what I want to look at in this um, parable um, it's kind of in that last verse there, which is going to bring us back to really um, the rest of the passage and um, a few other verses throughout scripture, is this last phrase that Jesus really invites the people into, which is to go and do likewise. That he ends this story to say, go and do likewise. Um, he ends the conversation really with a command to the lawyer. Um, and as we're reading this now, and, and, and God knowing as this was penned by, by, um, by Luke, is that we would be the ones reading this, and we ultimately are, are following that same command to look at this story, understand what's happening here, and to go and do likewise. So I think when you say go and do what, you have to kind of answer. Well, when he says go and do likewise, what does that mean? Does that mean we're supposed to um, you know, stop for someone when they're hurting? Are we supposed to? It's easy to find little applicable things in here, and yes, those are certainly true, and there's a lot of things we can glean from this story, but ultimately when he says to go and do likewise, he's going back to the beginning of the parable when they first started talking about the great commandment. What God is telling us at the end of this passage and inviting us into in this story is to go and live out this great commandment, to go love God with all that we are and to love our neighbor as ourselves. It's important for us to remember and reflect that God's laws are, are not primarily about action. God will often call us to specific actions and we should follow his leading of that, but God is more so calling us to a way of life. When we get focused in on actions and, and doing things a certain way or having certain responsibilities, and those are the only things that we take care of, we end up following in this story more in the position of a priest or a Levite, where we want to seek more to be like that good Samaritan. God's commands are ultimately about love, not about the law. And when we take all these things and we look at this great commandment, that's what Jesus is really sharing here, is that all of the commandments, everything from the Old Testament, everything that God is about is ultimately about love, loving him and loving 
one another. Again, go and do likewise is a call back to the beginning of this parable and to the great commandment. Um, and we know in this story, because we have this great commandment kind of recanted actually by the lawyer. Um, he asks, you know, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, what's the great commandment? And interestingly enough, the lawyer hits it on the nail. Literally, if we go back to Matthew 22, uh, verse 34 through 38, Jesus himself said almost exactly the same thing. Uh, Matthew 22, verse 34 says, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. It's interesting because we see in Matthew 22 and in Luke, both lawyers in this situation, it would be hard to know exactly what came first or where this happened, but it's interesting to know that um, we see this overlap of God really driving their people and even the lawyer being able to summarize the law um, to say that this is the great commandment and that first and foremost, we are to love God with all that we are. For a little bit of background here, when we think of lawyer, we might have different um, connotations. So when we think of lawyer in this story, a lawyer back then would have been someone who just studied the law, which may be similar to a lawyer then, but we're talking about the religious law, the Old Testament really, that the lawyer would have been someone who knew everything about the law. And for them to kind of get to a point of summarizing commandments, like there, there are a lot of commandments in this book. Um, there's a lot of commandments in these first, um, the whole, you know, the whole Old Testament, this first section of this book. Um, and to summarize that, though true, I think would have been a lot for them to kind of think and do, but there's something happening here, even with the lawyers, um, because of what Christ had been doing and what Christ had come to reveal himself. That first and foremost, we are to be a people who love God with all that we are. And I think a lot of us are probably in a situation where we would say that is absolutely the most important thing in life. Um, that is absolutely that. But what's beautiful here, and again, looking at Matthew 22, is that that continues and that what ties in right with this great commandment, again, is what we're gonna talk about a lot today is, and a second is like it. You shall love the neighbor, your, your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. That if to love God with all that we are and with all of our being and to pursue after him and knowing his love is the most important thing in our life, Jesus is commanding us and telling us that ultimately that's 1A and that there is a 1B that goes so closely together to love our neighbors. And I don't know about you, but it's easy for me to know and understand, not that I'm perfect at it by any means, but to know and understand what God has done for me, to accept that, to put my faith in him and to know that I need to love him. But to be able to put so closely and intrinsically to my love with God, to love to others, is a lot harder for me. It's a lot more of a struggle for me. And I think a lot of us have that. There was a, a group of us on Thursday night who got together um, with our men uh, for, for a men's group to read through the Bible and, um, and hang out together on Thursday night. Um, and one person uh, kind of said, I don't know about you guys, but I struggle to reach out to people and to love people and to serve people. Um, you know, I want to, it's easy for me to be at my house and get into my Bible and study. And again, no one's perfect. Uh, but he's like, yeah, it's just, that's really hard for me. And he's like, I, I, just, I just really struggle with it. He was kind of feeling left out. And so someone just asked, like, who else struggles with that? And almost everyone raised their hand. Almost every single person raised their hand. I think a lot of us can struggle with that. Um, but God, in such a beautiful way, ties these things together. Um, and we're going to talk about how those things come together. But I think it's important for us to, when we know and we think about, to go and do likewise, God is calling us back to this great commandment, to love like he has loved us and to know him, to seek him, and I think when we look at this story, we need to ask the question of, okay, so the great commandment is to love God and then to love others. Um, and we look at the story and we look at the kind of a picture and we're gonna walk through it here in a second. 
Um, to love like this is a, is a pretty big ask. There's a lot of things that happen in the story, a lot of sacrifice that happens. So I think the question is, if I'm just going to be honest, the question that I, I would want to ask is, why would I do this? Why would I love like this? Um, so again, let's look at the Good Samaritan and see what happens here. So we have this man who's walking on a road. It doesn't give us a lot of history about this man, but he's beaten, half dead. And, um, you know, there's the priest and the Levite. We won't talk too much about them. Um, there's not a lot to talk about there. That's good, at least. Um, but we move on to the Samaritan, and he comes and he stops. He shows mercy. He shows compassion. Um, and a big thing here is, one, is that he is a Samaritan. Um, to give some history here, a lawyer would have been someone who Jesus is telling the story to, who would have been really strong um, Jewish uh, understanding of the law, and as a Jew would have despised Samaritans would have despised Samaritans. They don't really have anything to do with each other. So for in this story that Jesus is presenting, the Samaritan to be the hero of the story, the Samaritan to be part of the point of what he's presenting here, Jesus is trying to tear down barriers and walls of what's happening here and really say, give up your preferences. Things that we've talked about throughout the series, to love the poor and oppressed, to love um, our enemies, to love those who are in need, to love people who are foreign to us like a Samaritan in this story. And really this is a glimpse of ultimately what Jesus would come and what we see throughout a lot of the New Testament, that God was coming for everyone, that Jesus' heart is for everyone and that we are called when we love like this, when we try to go and do likewise, to give up our preferences. Um, that every race, every creed, every demographic is deserving of the love of God and that the love that God has offered you is, is for them as well. Um, at the same time, um, and maybe even more difficult for some of us, is, is a call to give up our time. Um, that when we love like this is we're called to give up our time. You think about this, he's going from the road to Jerusalem, from Jerusalem to Jericho. Um, this is a, a, a long path. Um, it would have taken a significant amount of time and he probably was going somewhere. Or even if he wasn't going somewhere, like if you were on vacation, for example, you probably wouldn't want to stop and get involved in something like this. Um, but he very much willingly sacrifices of his time. Um, and that's very important for us to think about and look about. Like when we're on our way to a meeting for work or maybe we're on our way to vacation or on our way somewhere, to give of our time like this, um, the way that he helps, he steps in, he takes him to an inn, um, it's very significant and it gives us an example of how we are to live our lives. And then he goes on further and he gives up of his finances, being willing to give two denarii, two days wages essentially at the inn and then again put down, you know, say whatever else it costs, I will come back and I will pay that. So there's a lot happening here. And again, I want to ask the question, why would we love like this? Why would we love like this? And when I look at stories like this, I, I like to ask the question of who am I in the story? Um, who am I in the story or who am I supposed to be? No, typically those aren't the same people, unfortunately. Sometimes they are. Um, on good days they are, right? Um, but I think we do that in a lot of stories, right? So like if we look at the story of David and Goliath, for example, my name's David, so like I want to be David in that story, right? Even if it wasn't David, like we want to be David in that story. Um, but more than likely, we're probably one of David's brothers. We're insufficient. We're not good enough. We can't defeat the things that come against us that are greater than what we can handle. Um, if we think about the story of Moses, we think, okay, I want to be Moses. I want to part the Red Sea. But more likely, we're the Israelites who are following him, and we get, God does these miracles and does all these great things and leads us out of Egypt. And then we're like, you know what? Actually, I think we should go back. I think I'm getting scared. I'm getting worried. I think we should go back. Again, I want to be Moses, but I probably more often am an Israelite. Same in the story is I want to be a good Samaritan. But I think more often I'm, I'm either a priest or a Levite. Um, sometimes I'm the man in the road, I, I feel like, honestly. Um, and ultimately, when we look at these stories, we have to remember and we have to look at that. The people in those stories, the heroes in those stories are really a picture of Jesus. They're really a picture of Jesus, that, that we are David's brothers. And, and David is really a picture of ultimately what Christ would come. And he would defeat something way greater than Goliath, that he would defeat sin. Um, we think about Moses and, and that ultimately Moses led the people out of exile from Egypt, but God leads us out of exile from ourselves, from our sin, from 
from death. Um, and then we think about this story here, that ultimately Jesus is the good Samaritan, that Jesus is the one who comes to people when they are in desperate need and he helps them and he does everything for them. So why would we love like this? I think 1 John 4.19 says this perfectly. We love because he first loved us. That we love because Jesus first loved us. He poured himself out for us. And I think when we talk about who we are in this story, I think we all start in one very specific role in the story. And that's that we were the man in the road. Now, my hope and prayer is that none of you guys have been beaten, robbed, and stripped down of your clothes and half dead on the road. I hope that hasn't happened to anyone here. Thankfully, it has not happened to me. But I think most of us have been there emotionally. And every single one of us has certainly been there spiritually. That we were dead. That we had nothing we could do of our own. There was nothing we had to offer. We were dead to our sin. Um, and we were the man on the road. But someone stopped. A good Samaritan stopped for us and rescued us. And his name was Jesus. Uh, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 2, which talks a lot about this. Ephesians 2, 1 through 5 says this, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. I think when we look at this story and we try to understand how could we love like this, why would we love like this, we have to remember that we were the man in the road, that we were dead, that we had nothing we could do. There was no one that could come and save us. There was no way that we ourselves could get ourselves up or, or get ourselves together. But the God of the universe came down to love us and to serve us and to lift us up and to pick us up and to take us and to heal us, that ultimately we could be found in him and that we could be alive again. Uh, Colossians 2.13 says it like this, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. John 10.10 says the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus has come to give us life abundantly. Abundant life is found in Christ, even though we were people who were destined for death. Um, as Romans talks about, the wages of sin was death. We have to really understand and relate to this, that we were the man in the road. We were dead. It's hard to think about this often in our lives, and it's, it's incredible news for a lot of us where we're no longer in that position, but we once were in that position. The God of the universe came when we were dead and turned his life upside down that we might have life, life to the fullest. And that's why we love we're not loving to get our own gain. We're not loving for our own pleasure. We're not loving so that people see us as the hero of the story. We're loving because of the love that Christ has shown us and the way that he's laid down his life for us. Again, looking at 1 John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. And I think this is a total picture of exactly what the Good Samaritan is doing. And it's incredible to see that God is showing the story and saying that even a Samaritan, the insufficient person is doing this. Because um, I love in the story when it talks about the priest and the Levite. Um, I'll actually go there in Luke 10, um, right at the beginning when he starts telling the story. A man is going down. He fell among robbers. Now by chance, a priest was there. I like the way that Jesus tells the story. Now by chance, a priest was there. Like, I don't know about you, but if anyone in this room wants to like beat me half dead and like whatever, like do it in front of a church, a pastor, like a hospital, something like that because that's how the story would read, right? Like by chance, David was right in front of a hospital or right in front of a group of pastors who certainly were gonna help him, right? Like that's how we read the story. And I love the way that Jesus tells it. Now by chance, a priest. 
Um, but we know how the story goes. And in the story, the lawyer, um, who would have been really close with the priest and, and honestly was probably offended by the way that Jesus was saying this, asked the important question, which we talked about one week specifically, was who is my neighbor? Um, and the story talks about the, the lawyer ultimately trying to justify himself. Um, and I think the lawyer, like the priest and the Levite probably, the point of them in this story, was trying to look at the law and trying to check boxes. He was trying to just understand what he could do. And the priest and Levite were probably doing the same thing, right? They knew that they had to get to the temple and they had certain duties and they had religious responsibilities and they were too much to do and too much they had to do for God to help and stop this man. But if that's their way of thinking, they're, they're way off from really understanding what God's ultimately called them and tasked them with, which is why Jesus had to come. Um, and when we ask this question and we try to justify similar to the way that the priest and the Levite do and similar to the lawyer when he's asking the question, well, who is my neighbor, Jesus, really? Um, again, knowing that his intention and where Jesus goes into this story was to justify himself. I think what he's really asking there is, Jesus, give me some excuses for when I can say that's not my neighbor. Because that's what the priest and Levite are doing in this story is they see someone dead on the road and they say, I have other responsibilities. I have things to do. That's not my neighbor. I'm gonna go and do other things. They would have known the law. They would have known that Leviticus tells us to love our neighbor. But I think the story here and what the heart of the lawyer was and the heart that we sometimes have is we say, that's not my neighbor. That's not my neighbor. That's not my responsibility. But that's not what God calls us into. As we talked about again, when we talked about who is our neighbor, is that, that everyone's our neighbor. This idea of a Samaritan and this person that likely in the story would have, been potentially a Jew, um, the Samaritan being someone who comes and serves as a neighbor shows us that God is trying to break down all boundaries, all areas. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that from another passage. But really, ultimately, what they would have done, and those people there are saying, is that their love was focused on status and rules rather than focusing on the great commandment, the heart that God was ultimately calling them to. Not the commands by rules, but the commands of a way to live their life. In 1 John 4, after verse 19, where it says we love because he first loved us, talks about this perfectly in verses 20 and 21, when it says this. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, brother could be read as neighbor, he is a liar for he who does not love his neighbor whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this is my commandment. We have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother, his neighbor. Is that we were the man on the road and that we we're met by God, we were met by Christ to go in love, <clears throat> and that we have to be careful about the ways that we think about our neighbors, we think about people around us, we think about who God puts into our lives, and know that we love because God first loved us, and that we love everyone that God puts into our lives, and we seek to be a neighbor. So this idea of to go and do likewise, to live this great commandment, I think really is just us an invitation into the mission of God, that God has really called us to carry about his mission to share the heart of who he is, to share the love that he has given us by just being a neighbor to people. Um, and I wanna talk a little bit about God's mission and what he's trying to do and, and what God has ultimately commissioned his people to do by looking at one of the recounts of the, the Great Commission, one of the accounts of the Great Commission, um, which we see throughout a lot of the gospels. But I actually wanna look in uh, Acts chapter one um, for the account that we have on this today. Acts chapter one, verse six says this. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. 
And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Now, I love this passage in Acts. I think it, it's a beautiful story here. And there's a lot of things here. There's a lot of words that even overlap some with our story here, um, like Samaritan, which we'll get to in a second. But we see here, ultimately, that God, having lived, Jesus, having come as God, living the perfect life, dying the death that we deserved, taking on the wrath for sin, that all sin that had ever occurred, that was occurring, and that would ever occur. Jesus taking on the sin for us that we haven't even done yet. Like Jesus knows and has taken that on. The wrath of God has been poured out on Christ for us. And then he rose again that we might be risen with him. And then he's before his people, his disciples, his followers. And they ask him this question. And I love this. They say, okay, so now are you going to restore the kingdom? Um, And this goes like not at all how they expected, right? Like you're going to restore the kingdom now? And he's like, actually, you're going to go and you're going to love people and you're going to be my witness. And I'm going to work through you to go and restore the kingdom here on earth till ultimately I come back to restore the kingdom. Now, if I'm in this situation and like, that's what my question was and that was my ask, I'm like, so you're going to restore the kingdom now? And he goes to that. I'm like, that's a lot for me to go do. Like, you're God. Why don't you do it? Um, Like, if I'm just going to be honest, right? Um, So I've been like, Jesus, we need to take a minute and talk about this. I I, I like the first plan that we asked you about already. Um, And what does Jesus do? He ascends, right? So I'm like, yes, I don't get a minute with Jesus. Um, I just got to go and and be a witness. That's a a big ask. That's a scary ask. Um, But that's how I would have felt in that situation if I'm just going to be honest that I'm not good enough. How would I possibly do this? What are you calling me to do? This great commission, I think for a lot of us is, is a little bit daunting, right? This idea to go out, um, part of this thing says to go to the ends of the earth, to go into love and to serve people and be witnesses of what Christ has done for us, to tell the story and the gospel, the good news of, of the God who came, the God who died and the God who rose again, that we could be risen with him. I would feel like I'm not good enough. And you know what's true about that is, is I'm not good enough. And sorry, guys, none of you are good enough. Um, but God is not asking you to go do this of your own strength. God is not asking you to be the one to go tell your story about the love that you have for people. Ultimately, the one that's doing this and the one whose love that we're proclaiming is good enough. It's Jesus. The love that we're sharing, the love that we've been given is love that is good enough. Love that is great news to all because it's his love. So we see in Acts this story, um, or we see this this recount of, or this account of what Jesus had done. And uh, there's an important part here too that we have to look in, in verse eight where he says, but the Holy Spirit will come upon you too. Because when we're talking about this idea to go and this weighty task, um, we have to remember that we're not alone. Obviously we have the church, we have one another. It's very visible to see and that we should seek to love and, and serve people um, obviously as individuals, but keeping each other accountable and helping people walk through that. Uh, but furthermore, we have a helper. We have the Holy Spirit. And Romans 8.11 reminds us that this Holy Spirit, the Spirit that's going to come upon the disciples and has come upon them um, shortly after this passage in Acts 1 um, and ultimately has come upon us, those who have put their faith in Christ, we're reminded in Romans 8.11 that this same Spirit is the same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead, that we have a helper that is with us, a strength that is with us, a love that dwells inside of us that is the love of God. And the love of God that is not just for us, but a spirit that's working in us, that this love of God would be for everyone. Just like we talked about with the Samaritan in that relationship, that the love of God is for everyone. And I love too in this story when Jesus is again calling these people to do these, to go out and to go again with his spirit, to be witnesses to Jerusalem, to Judea, um, to all of Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And again, he's kind of digging into this place, this is Samaritans. 
I mean, at this point in the story, a lot of these people would have been close followers of Jesus. They would have maybe heard him share this story with the lawyer and Luke of the Good Samaritan. They would have seen Jesus love and walk with Samaritans. Um, but there's still a lot of really religious and um, personal and, and cultural things there that that was a boundary that Jesus again tells them to cross. And ultimately, this is a reminder to us that when God's calling us to be witnesses, when God calls us to go and do likewise and invites us into his mission, it's called to love everybody. It's a call to go everywhere. And obviously that culminates not just in Samaria, but to the ends of the earth. But again, it's important to re- be reminded of the, the cultural in, um, distinctions that would have been in place then and that that call would have been difficult for them. I'm sure there's people that heard that and they're like, okay, dibs on Jerusalem and Judea. Like you guys to go take care of Samaria. Like, have you heard about those guys? Like, I don't want to do that. Or someone's probably just like, you know what? I'll just go past Samaria. I'll start with the ends of the earth. Like, just don't send me to Samaria. Um, but that's ultimately what God calls us to do is that he calls us to go and to be wherever he has us with whomever he has us to love them. Um, and we're in a very interesting and, and kind of unique situation because we're talking about this story and we're looking here um, where these things happen in Israel, right? Um, but we're now people literally on the ends of the earth. Like what's happening here and what Jesus promised and what Jesus called his people to do, it's actually working. Like look around the room, like it, it's actually working. Like it's actually happening. Um, so we are people on the ends of the earth. Um, we're also surrounded from people from every end of the earth. We wouldn't have been as divided, for example, like Judea and Samaria. Um, we've now seen in this world, and obviously a lot of time has passed, but, but we live in a very unique time and place where we are on the ends of the earth from this story. We're surrounded by people from every end of the earth, um, and that there's an opportunity when we go and we do these things and we put aside our preferences and our thoughts and our demographics that we don't have to go far to do that anymore. Um, now, that being said, we also live in a time and place in a, a culture where we've been very blessed. Um, and if there are people who are potentially able to go to the ends of the earth, literally, not just the people around us who are from the ends of the earth, um, we also potentially have that opportunity and we have those blessings that God has given us. Um, um, again, that's something that, that God, I think, calls us to, sometimes individually, sometimes personally, and sometimes as a church. But I would pray those things and seek those things. But we are a people now on the ends of the earth that, that get to love and serve every end of this earth, no matter where we're at, no matter what our situation is, because of where we live and because of the time we live in. So again, how could we do this? And what could this possibly look like? Again, it's a tall task, but we have to remember, this isn't us trying to offer up our love. This is the love of Christ, the one who loved us. And I think the parable shows a perfect question about what this looks like. Because when I think about, like, I struggle to live on mission. I struggle to be someone who is constantly telling people about Jesus. I struggle to interject in an opportunity when I know someone's in need to be able to just love and serve them. But I think this parable actually shows us a really great place to start. I love that uh, at the end of it, um, when Jesus asked the lawyer at the end of the story, he says, who proved to be a neighbor? Who proved to be a neighbor? Um, it wasn't the priest. It wasn't the Levite. It was the Samaritan. And again, there's a lot of things that, that tie into that, and there's a lot of history and, and relationship there um, that's very unique, and it tears down walls and borders. But I love the idea of, of who proved. Um, and not that we love God or we serve God out of thing we're going to try to prove, um, but I think what this speaks to us is, is, again, this question that was all started here was, was asking, like, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Um, and again, with the idea probably being more of checking boxes. And if we're honest, I think sometimes we want to check boxes. It feels a lot easier. But again, God's command to love him and to love others is really more of a lifestyle than it is something that we can just check off boxes. There's certainly practical boxes that you can check. There's certainly things that you should go and do. But we have to remember the heart of it is to ultimately live like this Samaritan who proved to be a neighbor, who didn't just go and do things to check off boxes, but lived a certain lifestyle and did certain things that would have proved to be a neighbor. 
So when we think about Acts chapter one, and we just think about the call that God has put on our lives to go out and to be people who carry forth the mission of God, that God who has rose from the dead, the God who literally saved us from our sin, the God who has love for every single person on this world. Again, it's something intimidating to have to go and carry out this mission. I think if you're unsure how to do that, and honestly what I've been convicted about through this series, and especially as I've dove into this and prepared for today, is that I think what God is calling us in to do is, is to just start by being a neighbor. That God just wants us to start by being a neighbor. Um, and not like a neighbor who like says like, you know what, I finally talked to the guy at the mailbox this week. Um, we'll get him again next year. Maybe we'll have a barbecue or something like that. Um, like a neighbor like we see in this story, just to clarify real quick. Um, a neighbor like we see in this story. But I think you just start by being a neighbor, by making yourself available, by loving people where they're at, by taking what Jesus has done for you, where he met you in the road and seeing people who are maybe physically, um, certainly emotionally and, and absolutely spiritually dead or half dead or struggling, um, be their neighbor. That's what God's calling us to do. And I think if I think about that, is it difficulty and is it uncomfortable? Is it challenging? Yes, it still is. Um, but I think it's also something where I can take steps and move forward and start to work that out. And I can try to be a neighbor. I can try to love people where they're at and try to work through that. Because the truth of the matter is, is that there are, just like in the story, the traveler on the road who was half dead, there are travelers all around us. There are people, like we talked about, emotionally or spiritually um, dead, that they are absolutely in need of someone to love them, someone to be a neighbor, someone who's gonna be their neighbor. And it can be challenging again, and it can be difficult, but that's what God is ultimately calling us into. And ultimately, we find this and we do this when we look to him and we see his love that he has for us, that he's poured himself out for us and he has loved us so greatly. And we look to the story again and, and we remind ourselves that when we try to prove to be a neighbor, we try to live as a neighbor, we start by just being a neighbor, that we're not doing this to justify ourselves or to accomplish anything. And we have to be careful about the posture and, and remember that mindset that the priest and the Levite had and, and the lawyer probably had where we have the question of, well, who is my neighbor? If I'm supposed to go and be a neighbor to these people, who is my neighbor? Um, God has put people all around you. I don't know about you, but like I see a lot of people all the time. I can see a lot of people right now, um, but I see a lot of people all the time. Like I see my family who I know needs love. Um, I see um, literally my neighbors, literally like neighborhood. Um, um, I see people at my work. Um, and then, you know what? We actually, we do live in a place um, and we do probably go into towns or areas around us around here where we literally see people on the road who are in need. Um, and I know example, I know we talked about that more specifically, but um, I don't know about you, but 99% of the time in those situations, I am the priest and the Levite. And I've been very convicted by that. Um, but still something I'm struggling with. We have to have this heart of seeing that our neighbor is, is everyone around us and that God is gonna place people and around us who definitely need us to be their neighbor. And God is calling us forth to carry out his mission by being a neighbor. Let us prove to be their neighbor. Let us lay aside our time, our preferences, our money, um, and let us love because of the love that we have received. Whether there's a man in need or a person in need that you encounter, someone on your street, a coworker, a family member, be their neighbor. I would challenge you guys that, to pray about this and think about this and think about who are the people that I see in my day-to-day -day life? Who are the people who have needs? And again, there's probably gonna be plenty. There's gonna be a lot. Um, but think about this week. Think about in this next season of your life, who can you be a neighbor to? Whether that be someone who literally lives in your neighborhood, whether that be someone at your work, whatever that might look like, how can you be their neighbor? That's something I'm asking myself and that's something I know I need to do more of. Um, 
And I can see through this series and as, I've do- as I dive into these passages and as I just remind myself of the love of Christ, it's something that, that God is building up more and more on me of a desire to do. Um, and I'm praying and asking and, and hoping that his spirit and knowing, trusting his spirit will work in me to help develop those and develop that love and that heart um, as I continue to seek and to love God um, first, that, that he would just continue to work in my heart to love one another. So pray for that. Ask God who, um, and be like the Good Samaritan. People, God is going to put people in front of you. God is going to make needs very clear, just like this man. Um, I challenge you to, to meet those needs and to find those people where they're at and to come to them and help them, whatever that looks like, but ultimately be their neighbor and love them in the way that Christ has loved you. And we're also just asking this in this next season, and, and honestly, as long as this church ever exists is the hope and prayer, is we want to ask, how can we do that as a church body? That, that I would challenge you and encourage you to do this individually, do this as a family, do this in smaller groups of people. Um, but we also want you to pray with us and pray with us as a church that we want to ask, how can we do this as a church body? How can we be neighbors to Kingsgate? How can we be neighbors to Kirkland? Um, how can we be neighbors to um, just each other's workplaces or whatever that might look like? I would encourage you to pray about that, but we also have some really practical stuff coming up um, that we're gonna dive into that and, and talk about that more. Um, so coming up in September, very specifically, um, we're gonna be kind of launching this, I don't wanna say program, but for lack of a better term, program. Um, there's a better term, ask JT later, uh, than program. Um, but it's gonna be called just Kingsgate Mission. And it's really just gonna be an opportunity for us to get together and start, first and foremost, to talk and pray about how we can be neighbors to this community um, together and as individuals. Um, so in September, we're gonna have more information coming out soon, but we're gonna be start just kind of a group of people in the church, whoever is interested, and, and we invite everyone um, when they can and how they can to be involved with this, um, to just say, how can we practically as a church body be a neighbor to the people around us? Um, because that's ultimately what God's called us into, and that's ultimately what this story is about. That we see this story and this beautiful story of the Good Samaritan that honestly, in these last few months, has been way deeper than I've ever imagined it. Um, it's an incredible story. It's a powerful story. It's something that we hear about all the time. Like you watch TV, you'll hear people in your office that maybe don't seem to be Christians. Who knows? Like, but the term Good Samaritan is, is fairly common. But the implications of what Jesus is calling us to do and ultimately the, the focus back to the greatest commandment that we could ever have and the priority and the intrinsic ties together of loving God with all that we are and loving one another is ultimately what it is to be a neighbor and to live that way and to love people in that way. In a moment, we're gonna take communion. Um, and I just wanna encourage you guys to just think about, first and foremost, the love that Christ has shown us, that Christ has shown you. That's what communion is all about, is that we're thinking about what it ultimately cost God, what it cost Jesus to love us, to set us free, to save us from taking us, a man who was on the road, who was dead, to becoming alive again. And we'll partake in communion for, for those who believe we invite you to come and, and take communion with us here in a minute as we sing um, and, and partake in the body of, of Jesus that was, that was shed for us and the blood that was shed for us. Um, and remember what God has done for you. But at the same time, as we think about this cup and this bread, it's beautiful to look back in the stories where where Jesus at the Last Supper shared this moment, um, and then throughout his church and and body that people continue to do this, continue to partake and continue to be invited into partaking in and accepting the body that was killed for us and the blood that was shed for us. Um, I want to challenge you too in this moment, again, celebrate what God has done for you. Remember his love, feel his love. Um, don't feel convicted in this moment necessarily, but, but also think about this cup and this blood. It's for everyone. It's for everyone that God wants other people in your life. God wants your neighbors who desperately need his love to come and partake in this cup. Not that they need to come here, but ultimately they need to come to him. They need to know him. They need to see him. They need to find him because they're on the road and they need help. Um, so again, don't feel convicted by this. Remember and feel loved and encouraged by what God has done for you. 
but know that God has done that love for you in a way and is sending you out in a way that that love is meant to be shared. So I want you to be encouraged by that, but at the same time, be challenged and be prayerful about how do we do this and how do we do this together? How do we do this as a church? And how do you do this in your daily lives? Um, so I just want to uh, end in 1 John 4, I think a passage. Um, we've been in 1 John 4 a lot. Um, this is a great chapter to read um, if you're trying to and you're asking God to just speak to you about how to love people and what his love looks like. But I want to close with 1 John 4, 7 through 12, which is just a great reminder of the love that God has for us and the love that we are called to. 1 John 4, 7 through 12 says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love God does not know God, because God is love. And this love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent him, God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this love, and this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Would you guys pray with me? Father, we thank you uh, for today. God, we thank you for your love. God, we were dead in the road. We were dead because of our sins and because of our trespasses. There was no way of our own accord that we could have done anything. There was no one on this earth who could have came and helped us. There's no one strong enough or powerful enough to lift us up and to save us from our sins. So you sent your son to come and meet us when we were on the road, when we were dead, to bring us to life, God. To lay down his life, to take on the wrath of all sins, of all mankind, that in him we might be able to find life. God, we thank you that you are directing us and leading us, God, to love like you have loved. God, we ask and we pray that we would just be reminded of this great commandment, God, that ultimately all of our lives, all of our schedules, all of our finances, all of our preferences can be folded down into two things, to love you with all that we are and to love one another. God, we pray that this command, God, this way of life would be something that guides everything else we do, God. Help us to not try to fit these things into our schedule, but help us to but guide our schedule with these things, God. God, we just pray that you would help us to be a neighbor. God, I don't think many of us are, are struggling to identify the people who need you or the people who need love in their lives, um, but we do struggle to show it, God. We struggle to to um, make time for it. We struggle to lay down our, our own preferences for it, God. So I just pray that you would work in our hearts and our lives um, to first and foremost show us more of your love, God. That as we see the love that you have for us, and that love that is not just for us, but that love that is for everyone, God, help us to be so overwhelmed. Help us to be pow- empowered by your spirit to not be able to help but to love, to not help but share the love that we have received, God, and the forgiveness and the life that we have received in your love. God, help us to, to hear our neighbors, God, when they're in need. God, help us to see our neighbors when they're in need. God, help us to just be people who know our neighbors, God, whoever that might be, whoever you put in our lives. God, help us to just meet them where they're at and get to know them, God. And ultimately, God, help us to love our neighbors in the same way that you have loved us. God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for what you've done for us. Um, help us to be encouraged by this, God, but yet challenged at the same time. We thank you for your love. We desperately need it, God work in us and through us that we might love one another. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.